Thanks for joining us on Beyond the Sermon, the podcast of First Methodist Church in Collingswood, New Jersey. On this podcast, the goal is not just to share our sermons, but to go beyond the sermon and talk about what we're learning and what God is doing in us and in our community. The sermon you're about to listen to comes from our summer 2023 sermon series, Living Stones. In this series, we're looking at who Jesus is calling us to be as he builds us into a spiritual home. You can find more information about our church at fumccollingswood.org. Thanks for listening. As, as I was thinking about what to write, Scott had sent us an email. I assume Will got the same email about uh, possible scripture verses that we could use and uh, a lot of other things that would possibly be involved in it. It just so happens that the scripture reference that I was going to use, Ephesians 2, 20 through 22 and 1 Peter 2, 5, and we'll get to that in just a second as well, uh, were verses that I had already decided that I would speak on today because it has to do with building and foundations and all of those things. So I'm, the first thing that I'm going to do that might be slightly controversial today is, and I hope it works, um, yes, I'm pulling my phone out in church, and because I want you to hear something, and hopefully this will work, and if it doesn't work, Phil, you guys are up there, you can turn it up a little bit, uh, but I just want you to listen to this. Ten bucks to anybody over here that is between the ages of 12 and 18, if you can tell me what that's from. What's that? I didn't hear that. Yeah, that's wrong. Not ten bucks to anybody out here that's older than 18 that can tell me what that's from. What's that from, Will? This old house. I had a birthday this week, and I'm, and I'm getting older because you know what I did on my birthday? I'm not going to go through all the details or whatever, but one of the things I did was watch PBS. <laughs> and PBS, I don't know about you, but I get certain reactions from watching PBS. And this is not a political statement, by the way. I, don't tell me later after the service that PBS is, is liberal propaganda, public television, the public broadcast. Don't, don't come to me with any of that. Because when I turn on PBS, I've written down a list of emotions that I feel. First of all, I feel safe. All right? I feel warm. I feel calm, especially when songs like that come on. I know something's coming. I was watching Antiques Roadshow last night. That song, too. Yes, on a Saturday night, I was watching Antiques Roadshow. It makes me feel comfortable. makes me feel relaxed, stress-free. I look at the people on these shows as my friends. All right? Like, I personally know them for some reason. All right? I can tell you all the characters of Downton Abbey, by the way, if you ever want to know. It makes me feel smarter. It makes me feel wiser. And it makes me feel older. All right? So if you are young over here on the left, and isn't it nice how we segregate ourselves, by the way? If you feel the need to feel warm and safe and calm and secure and old, turn on PBS from time to time. You might find out something that you like. But we're talking about building, and if you watch this old house, I, I like the fact that they take something that is old and dilapidated, 
and that needs to be renewed in some way, and we'll get to all those words in a little while too. And I like to see what they do. I learn from it. I am not a, I'm not a builder by any stretch of the imagination. I'm more of a fixer. If something is built and then it gets broken, I might be able to fix it, but I can't create it. It would never pass inspection. It wouldn't be up to code. But let me tell you a little bit about the history of this room. I was looking around this room before we started, and I do believe, let me count over here, one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, 12 Sunday school rooms above us here. And I don't know if you know anything about the history of this room, but the first church was built on the corner here in 1887. I'm looking around and none of you were here at that point. Do have a couple people that were close, I think. 1887. And then the church began to grow. So they tore down that building and they built another building, which was the original building that looked a lot very similar to this one. That was in 1904. That was the second one. And then they began to grow again. And then in 1912, they built on an addition, which was this addition, where you sit right now. In 1912. Now, don't get excited. In 1932, it all burnt down, in case you didn't know that. So where you are sitting now was reconstructed as close as they could get it by 1934, and then the church began to function again as it currently is. Now you say, Carrie, how do you know all of that? And I can just say to you, if you go to the church website, it's all written right there for you. You didn't even have to hear me say that. So we're gonna talk a little bit about building today. And the reason I mentioned the history of the church is because all of you currently sitting here, keep this in mind as we go through the day, are a part of the history, the living stones, the part of the ministry and the outreach of this church as it currently is. There are many people that went before you. If I was to begin the, name, the names of of people, pastors, the saints that came before, it would be way too many to even mention. And I won't specifically pull anybody out today. But think about this as we continue. You sitting here today or anywhere in the church or part of anything that you do in the church are a continuing part of the history of the ministry of First United Methodist Church in Collingswood. So let me get to the scripture today. And I will let you know, we are reading from the Amplified Version today. It's one that I like to read. It reads very well. And uh, we are going to be reading chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. And I'm going to throw in 1 Peter, one that Scott has already used, uh, 1 Peter 2, 5. So here we go. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens or outsiders without rights of citizenship. But you are fellow citizens with the saints, God's people, and are members of God's household, 20 having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is joined together and it continues to increase, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, set apart, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. In him and in fellowship with one another, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And of course, First Peter, the verse, you believers are like living stones. You're being built up into a spiritual house for a holy and dedicated priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. 
Strong words, right? Reads well from the Amplified Version. Hold on just a second. I am going to make an adjustment here. Okay, a little bit about Ephesians in case you're not interested, and in case you're interested in that just before we get into this. Um, Saul was, or Saul, I will say Saul, we're going to call him Paul, but Saul was converted on the road to Damascus, and we've been talking about this in Acts in our Sunday school class, around AD 33, 34. Picture a timeline in your mind. This is the below zero side here. This is zero, and looking at you, this is the AD side, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. So around AD 33, uh, Paul comes on the scene as a persecutor, but he was converted on the road to Damascus. God, the big light hit him, and then he got blind, and he went to Damascus, and he received a sight, and then from that point forward, he became a missionary for God. So he went on a couple of missionary journeys, and right now, his third missionary journey was between AD 52 and 57, way out here, 20 or so years after his conversion. He did a lot of stuff in between those 20 years. And then in AD 62, he got thrown into prison uh, for various and sundry reasons, but the main reason was uh, they had found a way to do that to Paul, to imprison him. He was in a Roman jail, but he didn't stop ministering. What he did was he wrote letters. And while he was in prison in Rome during this time, he wrote Ephesians and he wrote uh, Philemon. All right, and I don't know if you guys know anything about Philemon, it's about a slave and a slave owner, a guy named Onesimus, and it's interesting to note here, and this wasn't a part of what I was reading either, interesting to note that a lot of letters that Paul wrote, even while he was in prison, including the one to Ephesus, were carried to these people by Onesimus, that slave that he wrote about in Philemon. I digress, that's a lot of history you don't need to know. So like I said, this was around AD 62 when he was in there, Ephesus was a port city. It was pretty well to do. Uh, it was in the province of Asia. It was a center, an intellectual place, a center of learning. Uh, it was in, near several key land routes. You could get to there through a lot of ways, and shipping was important there, and commerce was important. And uh, like I said, he wrote it while he was under house arrest uh, in Rome. Now, there are some themes in Ephesus, the one that I'm going to talk about today being one of them. Uh, but mainly the themes are Christ has reconciled all creation to himself and to God. We actually spoke about that in Sunday school this morning, reconciliation. Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to one another in his church. That means Jews and Gentiles, as we've continued to talk about in Acts. And the third theme here is that Christians must live as new people, not in the old way, but in the new way, which is a little bit more about what we are going to get into today. So those are the, the, the key themes there, and, uh, and we'll get into this just uh, a little bit. So we've, we've talked about the building here. This is a structure that is uh, frame and timber and brick and mortar and electricity and plumbing. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but wherever I go into a building, anything that I have anything to do with, whether that's my old church or this church or my school or any school that I've been a part of or anything that I do, I have a tendency to explore. And I have explored every square inch of this building with the exception of one spot. And if somebody wants to take me up there, if anybody has access to the space above the sanctuary, at some point 
I'd like to get there. Will raised his hand. You might want to be careful about what you volunteer for. But when you look at the structure of this building and all the hiding places, and that includes the, the bowels of the church underneath, and I don't know if you, any of you have been in the boiler room or any of those spaces back there, it's, uh, it, it's quite interesting. But it is just a building. It's a historical building, and I look for all of the historical things that I find in these places. But really what it is, it's just a place to meet to do the work of the church. And you have to keep that in mind today. It's a place to meet to do the work of the church. Keep this question in mind. If this church went away today, if this building went away, would our church cease to exist? Don't answer that. I don't, we're not gonna raise any hands today. Don't answer that, just think about that, just for a second. So if we look at it as more than just a building, Paul takes the church and he looks at it as truly being built on the people of the church, the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. And when Paul writes here and he talks about the prophets and the apostles, we're talking about Old Testament prophets. We're talking about disciples, apostles, all of these people that God and Jesus spoke to directly that carried on and began the work of this church that Paul is currently talking about here. Uh, in our case, and when Scott asked me to do this, he says, where is our church going? Related to that in some way. I said, all right, I'll do my very best on it. When I look at it in that sense, I see that this includes the past and the present members and the saints of this body, all right? The believers, this group of believers, all of you that are here today who have dared to come out to be a part of this church. Paul goes on to say that the chief cornerstone of this foundation is Jesus Christ himself. Anybody ever see the cornerstone of this church? Yeah, it's out there if you wanna take a look at it. And when you think about a cornerstone, that is one of the parts of a building that is a key part of holding the structure together. Now, like I said, I'm not a builder. I can't go into all the details and physics of that, but trust me on that. That's what it said in the commentary there. So this cornerstone holds together, or at least should hold together, the entire structure. And in our case, the body of Christ. So when we talk about verse 22 from what I read previously, God has taken up residence in his church, but not residence. I used to think this when I was a kid. I used to think that God lived in the church, and if I looked hard enough, I'd find the room in which he lived. And that's a young way of thinking. As I got older, and as I continue to grow and mature, I understand that God takes up residence in the body of the church in each one of us, or at least he should. Lehman Strauss says this, and, and if you don't know who Lehman Strauss is, I picked up a set of Lehman Strauss commentaries uh, in one of my adventures in downtown Collingswood. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, every Friday, the trash gets picked up at Collingswood's library. And if you go soon enough on a Thursday night, you can go through boxes of all of their discarded books, which I used to do very religiously and faithfully back in the 90s and early 2000s. They must have gotten on to that because they don't put out any books anymore. Uh, but Lehman Strauss, I found a whole set of Lehman Strauss commentaries. 
and uh, happened to open up all of them. Turns out that every one of them were signed by Lehman Strauss. Yes. I looked on eBay and they're worth about $4.58, but that's beside the point. Here's what Lehman Strauss says. The true church is of perfect and harmonious design. Its beauty and holiness is surpassing any shrine or building made with human hands. The most sacred spot on earth is no towering cathedral with stained glass windows, but the believer's heart where God has come to dwell. While the building is not now complete, it will be one day, and then all creation will view its splendor and give praise and glory to its creator and its designer. Well written, yeah. Like I said, this is a building. God's dwelling place is in us. So to answer that question that I asked you just a little while ago, Yes, the church would continue to exist, hopefully, in us, since God dwells within us. My first controversial question today is, does our denomination believe this? Our own denomination is telling us what we need to do in order to keep just the property of the church. And they're looking at the church, I can't help but say it, as an asset. They're not looking at the church as the dwelling place of God within all of us. So how is this all supposed to happen? Whether we believe it or not, God has a plan. And you've heard this a million times before if you're a church person. When I say church person, it means that you've been going to church your entire life. I've been going to church since I was two weeks old. And I know all the church words, all right? So we always hear that God has a plan for your life. Don't raise your hand. How many of you know God's plan for your life? How many of you have always known God's plan for your life? Just think about that. Don't answer yes or no. So whether we believe it or not, God has a plan to continually create each of us uniquely. And notice I said continually. I'll get to one of my original thoughts in just a second on that. So I write to my staff every week. I've gotten into the habit on sitting down on a Sunday morning uh, before I come to church and I write to them because I know the week ahead is going to be a tough one, all right? It's, it's 2023, school's tough. So I kind of encourage them on a Sunday morning. They've avoided looking at email all week and many of them will avoid looking at their email until Sunday night before the Monday morning comes around. I've got some that don't look at it until Monday afternoon, but that's beside the point. I try to encourage them and I write just a simple thought with a little bit of commentary and then I give them the schedule for the week. So I'm gonna steal uh, from myself here. This is from uh, June 11th of this year, 2023, just a few weeks ago. So I have a confession. This is what I wrote, confession. I've never felt as though I've arrived anywhere. Any of you have that thought out there that you're just not finished? There's always something to do. I continue. Sure, we complete tasks, we finish projects, we end the school year, etc. However, I always feel like there's something else to do. We may get a short break from the routine, but it's really just a sign that something else is beginning. A time to rest, a time to grow, a time to change and to improve and become a better version of who we were when we thought we had reached our destination. 
Hang on a second. This old house is playing in my pocket. None of you heard that, did you? Good. We've become a better version of who we were when we thought we had reached our destination. Accept it. We are never finished. If you ever get to the point where you think that we are finished and everything that God is doing with us is done, then we've reached a point where we need to rethink how we're thinking in regard to our ministry in the church. But a couple things have to happen. This means giving up our own plans, following God's purpose for us as individuals, as the living stones. I think on the other side of this wall, there's like a brick wall, fake brick wall, right? As living stones of the church. Standing on the foundation of the apostles and prophets means this. It means that the church is not built on modern ideas. Isn't that a term that we've used a lot lately? A church that's built on modern ideas. I was in Sunday school this morning. I told George I might steal this. He was talking about a meme that he saw about God's standard compared to man's standard. And the meme had a little chart, and at the top it said God's standard, and that line went straight across. It didn't dip. It didn't go down in any form. And then it, below that it said man's standard, and it started out level with God's standard, and then it, and correct me if I'm wrong here, George, it went down and down and down and down. Man's standard for faith has been something that has been changing continually in our own denomination in society in general, and it's not good. It's a man-made standard. It's not God's standard. But it also means that it's not built on modern ideas, but continues to be built on the spiritual heritage provided for us in God's word. It's continual growth and improvement. I mentioned to you a little while ago, I'm not a builder, I'm a fixer. If, if I built something. And I, I can't think of anything uh, that I've ever... No, I take that back. When I was a kid, I used to build model airplanes. All right? And I was pretty good at that. But there were instructions and things that you could follow step by step, pieces to cut out, what color to paint them, where to put the decals, all of that. So I still have a couple of those left. But if I was to build a building left up to my own devices, I've mentioned this, it would be out of code, wouldn't pass inspection. It would be in habitable, right? But if you think about the order, and I used this old house earlier, the operations of this old house, if you've watched the show, they go into a dwelling and they evaluate it. They look at it, see what needs to be done. They develop a plan as to how it's going to be remodeled or refurbished. They demolish parts of it and get rid of pieces that they don't need anymore. But when they demolish it, They take a lot of the original structure and they repurpose it. Oh, we're going to tear up this floor in this room, but we can use it as a shelf in this room, maybe, to remain with some of the character of the house. They restore what they can, they remodel and build on and build additions where they can, and then they just rebuild everything, put the grass down, invite the people in and have a big party. When you think about that, is it okay to follow our own plan? We get this kind of idea sometimes that we can't, when it comes to following God's plan, we can't put any of our plans in it. I don't believe that that's true. 
stealing from myself again, October of 24th of 2021. I'm finally old enough to understand and identify the things I do well. Do you know the things that you do well? Do you know your gifts? It took some time to reach this point. Likewise, this knowledge also reveals what I have yet to learn. Age or experience is irrelevant in the matter. Admitting what I don't know opens the door for improvement, as long as I can stay out of the way of those willing to teach me. When I continue or when I combine the two, what I do well with what I'm still learning, it's amazing what I can accomplish, all right, from October of 2000. 21. Sometimes our plans aren't necessarily wrong. I encourage you, if you haven't done this today, discover the things that you do well. I had no idea when I was 15 what I wanted to do. I knew Christ. I was a good Christian. I was following the Lord. I was doing all those things, but I had no idea what God's plan was for my life until someone gave me some advice. And they said, Carrie, what do you do well? And I said, well, I, I do this and I do that and I do this. They said, go into it and do it. Don't worry about God's plan at this point. He'll take what you know and what you do and you'll end up where you're supposed to be based on the gifts that God has given you if you let him. That was good advice that somebody gave me. It's a continual process. Discovering which parts to use, which parts to throw away, which parts to demolish, which parts to repurpose. Either way, it's a continual process. So speaking of a continual process, building takes time. It's not something that happens overnight. We must use the right resources. If you were to write down a list of day of, today of Christian tools, we often use this word toolbox in education. What's in your toolbox that you can use? What's in your Christian toolbox? I wrote down some things, and I will admit I can either confirm or deny that I wrote this down when I was sitting on the beach on Friday morning. I wrote these things down as Christian tools. God's word, we hear that a lot, right? God's word takes a lot of forms. I don't have a Bible up here with me unless you count this today, which is what I use a lot, all right? But God's word, but we hear that a lot. Stand on the foundation, standing on the promises of Christ my Lord, God's word. But what does that mean? It means we must use uh, the Bible as a thing to read, as a thing to study, a thing to apply, a thing to teach, a thing to share. Uh, taking it at the value for which God intended it without changing what it means to suit our own purposes. George also brought up today some things in the law, uh, the civil law and the ceremonial law that we necessarily don't do today because it would be just kind of against the law to do. One of the examples I brought up, I think, was stoning. We don't stone anyone today, do we? You haven't stoned anyone this week? Thank you for not doing that. But to follow the principles of what that law was intended for, right? And that was to help people understand what God's value is. Prayer is one of them. Prayer and intimate conversations with God. When I say intimate conversations, they're personal. They're private, but they are conversations. When we pray, hopefully you don't get together or by yourself and have a little devotional time in the morning and pray and pray like we pray in church. Have a conversation with God. Next, um, time spent with people who are like-minded. What we're doing today, Christian fellowship, being with others who are building with you. I like to call them today, the construction crew. You're all part of the construction crew today. 
And since we talk about this taking time, and by the way, one episode or one season or one project on this whole house normally takes about a year of episodes to get through. I've been patient enough to follow one project through all the way to the end. Uh, I've had to watch a few reruns, but it takes some time. Growth and maturity as a church takes a lifetime of episodes. And as I mentioned before, we never arrive. So just like in this old house, the art of building a better structure doesn't change. We have to make a choice. What are we gonna demolish? What are we gonna repurpose? What are we gonna replan? How are we gonna create the additions? Rebuild and restore to the original plan and purpose. The global church, I shouldn't say the global church, the United Methodist Church has sort of lost its way in this regard. They've lost the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and God's word and the plan of the original builder. Our job is to get back to that, or at least maintain what that is. Following the plans of the original builder, it must be up to code, and I guarantee it'll be inspected at some point. The plain gospel of Jesus Christ is simple. We, if, if you sit down and you really think about what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, we heard about it uh, in uh, the Getty song today, in Christ Alone. If you were paying attention to those words, and I was actually going to start with this, that is the gospel the simplicity of the gospel of Christ summed up into one song. Listen to that if you get another chance. So here's the key. Let me read this to you again. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders without rights of citizenship, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, with God's people, and are members of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in whom the whole structure is joined together and continues to increase, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, set apart, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. In him and fellowship with one another, you, all of us, are also being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We're like living stones being built up into a spiritual house for a holy and dedicated priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. Let me read to you as I finish and as I finish today. From Lehman Strauss again. The true church is a perfect and harmonious design. Keep in mind that's the true church. It's beauty and holiness surpassing any shrine or building made with human hands. The most sacred spot on earth is no towering cathedral with stained glass windows, but the believer's heart where God has come to dwell. While the building is not now complete, we've spoken about this, we're a work in progress. It will be one day and then all creation will view its splendor and give praise and glory to its creator and designer. God has taken up residence in his church in each believer. We, think about this, are the habitation of God.